The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. and welcome to 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, your host, and I am so happy that you have joined me today. I have with me a special, special guest. We are going to talk about this new world of work. Things have changed, and there's a lot of leaders that are out there wondering, how do I operate in this, this new talent landscape with retention, with engagement? I mean, we have so many questions now. And so I have with me today... Carolina Milanesi. She's the president and principal analyst of Creative Strategies, and she is the founder of The Heart of Tech, which we're going to hear about in just a second. Carolina, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I always enjoy our conversations about talent, uh, and it's never been more critical today to talk about talent. You are so, so right. So Carolina, you have an interesting past uh, in how you got to where you are today. And I just, I cannot wait to hear uh, more about the heart of tech. So can you tell me more about what led you here today? I'm by trade, I'm an industry analyst. That means that I provide advice to technology companies on their products, their go-to-market, their competitive landscape. And as I've been doing this for a very long time, I was a a VP at Garner for 14 years. And then I left and went and led the US business for Kantar. And I joined Creative Strategies back in... Actually, I just did my sixth birthday uh, on Monday with Creative Strategies. I realized through this 20 plus year of my career as a woman in tech, even if you know, dotted line, that there's still a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to diversity and inclusion, when it comes to really leading more of the heart of tech. And so in 2019, that's what I did. I created a company that focuses on uh, ESG and CSR. So really looking at the impact of technology on society, looking at diversity and inclusion, sustainability, uh, and governance, talking about ethos and and values, you know, and really a need to start thinking about technology with, yes, it can entertain, yes, it can be cool, but it also can change lives. And so putting more of a focus on that. So tell me more about the heart of tech. Who are your clients, your your customers, and uh, how do you serve them? Yeah, I deal with large technology companies. And I work with them on their ESG strategy. So environmental, social, and responsibility across the board. And so, you know, we we talk about both internally and externally, how do you become a more diverse and inclusive company? How do you work with your partners and ecosystem and customers? Are you, you know, what is your strategy for sustainability, both from a product perspective and services perspective? How do you enable your customers to be more sustainable? And really trying to go from what I feel a few years ago 
was a lot of marketing and very little substance to now having, by all means, I don't mean because of me, but in general, I am delighted that the industry is really, you know, putting money to change the way that they're thinking about their products. They, they have changed their priorities. And, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about, this is critical, not just for their business, but it's critical to attract talent nowadays. Um, younger generations are driven by purpose. And so I think is is absolutely critical. And that's what I do. So how has the workforce changed in the last two years from, from your view? <laughs> how has it not changed? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, well, clearly we have become more accustomed to what you and I are doing now, which is connecting through uh, a camera and, you know, spending time trying to be productive or connecting in a more social level. I do think that the biggest changes that I've seen that are applying to the talent is really being a reassessment of what matters to them. And I know that there are a lot of leaders out there that brush this off with the, well, everybody has a mortgage to pay or everybody has a, you know, to think about sending the kids to college. So I'm sure that at the end of the day, it's all about money. It isn't anymore. Of course, people need to pay bills and they want to be paid fairly. And actually, this is becoming more of a topic, right? I was saying the other day that talking about money has become way more natural to the younger generation than to my generation. You know, it was taboo to talk about how much you were getting paid. Now people do that. But money aside, there's a there's a more of a focus and a need to balance their life. And and I always say that finding balance is uh, utopia. And I think that you end up driving yourself crazy. What people want is is a blended life, right? The ability to one day be 80% work and 20% family and the other way, switch it around and you know have 80% family and 20% work. You're still getting work done, but you're doing it at your pace and, and with your kind of criteria of what matters in mind. So that blended life has, has definitely push people to want more flexibility in work. And yes, sometimes that means hybrid work, but it also means flexibility from a tool set perspective that you're using, from a device perspective. So technology flexibility, as well as where do I work? How many hours do I work? Do I work a four-day week and not a five-day week? Those things have now become a, a top priority for employees. So what do leaders need to do differently or how do they need to think differently so they can really, you know, be successful with this new shift in the workforce? I think that the first thing is to really think about the change in equilibrium, if you like, between managers and leaders and talent overall. So, you know, we used to think that all the power was in the managers and the leaders. Um, Not really anymore. Things have changed. If you think about the big impact of social media and how you see very often disgruntled employees going out and voicing their dissatisfaction with what an organization is doing, that does more damage to you 
then then you maybe realize because it's not just about your talent and retaining and acquiring talent, but it's also about your customers, maybe, you know, questioning your values and your ethics. So that's one thing is that that power shift that we've seen. The other one is that, you know, you we used to poll our employees once a year and, you know, you go out, you do the big survey, right? asking all sorts of questions about how happy you are and you're not. Well, that's no longer the case. You need to keep in touch with your employees in more way than than one. So yes, surveys, those are really useful. There's a lot of different solutions that just help you every day. You know, it's just a question of a smiley or a frowny, you know, to to (laughs) just... Just really feel the pulse of where everybody's at. And I think if you do it on a, on a regular basis and then you analyze the data, you know, we are in the era of 5G and, and data. Um, that's what you have. You have abundance of data that you can look at and you can then extrapolate, you know, your strategy as to how you can do things differently, how you can cater to your employee better. It's been quite fascinating to me for many years now how you know organizations especially b2c organizations that are so focused on customers don't think that employees are customer you know if you're thinking about the role of it is you know that's what the it manager has to do it has to serve their customers which are the employees and and yet we don't think about people like that So much just golden nuggets in, in everything that you just said. You mentioned earlier about something about the generations, the new generations in the workforce. So how do we keep this, you know, th- these younger people, generations, how do we keep them engaged and retain them, you know, just keep them employed with us? I think that has changed as well during the pandemic. I think, especially if I look about at tech and tech in Silicon Valley, a lot of the benefits that younger employees were getting, it was about having the gym at home. It was, sorry, on campus because they didn't have it at home. It was about the cafeteria, the free food, that all the, you know, the glitz and blitz that you can have on campus. Now, having been away for two plus years from those, from that campus, they found different ways to cater to that. And so looking at the benefits again and reassessing that, and maybe it's not about the gym on campus, maybe it's to pay a subscription for them to something that they can do at home or somewhere else. So reassessing what was valuable to your workforce before and after. But as I mentioned earlier, younger generation are really more purpose-driven employees. They want to know that they're making a difference. They want to know what the company stands for and that they personally stand for is aligned with what the company stands for. With that, they want an organization that is supporting diversity and inclusion and social justice and equity, both from their products, but also from an employee standpoint. I also think that there's more, there's a desire to be more in touch with 
management and having more regular conversation and touch points and really feel that can contribute to that conversation and they're part of decision process, which leads to wanting more transparency and better communication. You know, my generation was used to, you get told what to do and you just do it. I I mean, honestly, that's how it was, right? You don't question it. You know, you might secretly hope that, especially when you're in a large organization, things change very quickly. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not even going to worry about it because in six months we'll be different again. (laughs) You just go with a flow. Uh Exactly. Things change so rapidly now, especially in technology. With diversity inclusion, where are we now? And, you know, where are companies falling short today? Wow. How much time do we have? I know. Um, That's a big question. Just hit a couple points. So I think that at least diversity and inclusion is on everybody's agenda. Everybody's coming at it from a different point. You know, there are companies just getting started to talk about it and actually taking steps. And there are companies that have been on this path for a few years. Sadly, if you're looking at the numbers, right, especially the large organization produce a diversity and inclusion uh, report every year. You look at the numbers and the numbers are moving very, very slowly. But I always say to my customers, if it was an easy problem to solve, we would have solved it by now because this is going on for a long time. And the issue is that it's not just one thing. You you can't turn a switch, right? Flip a switch and things are going to change. You need to think about the pipeline, but the pipeline is not an excuse to say that you cannot be diverse today, right? You're not have to wait for the generation of teens that is in school now to be able to be diverse. But certainly, you know, fostering a love for technology, math, engineering, and everything that comes with it at a younger age is going to get people interested. But more importantly is when they get to college level, that what you do today in your organization is going to get people to decide where they're going to go from a career perspective, right? I cannot be what I cannot see. That is very simple. If I don't see women in leadership roles, if I don't see people of color in leadership roles, I'm not going to go in that organization and think that my career, I will be the first one. And yes, sometimes you are, but it's less enticing than not going into an organization that is showcasing the talent and the diversity that they have at the C-level. So acquiring talent, and so that's the diversity from a, from a um, hiring perspective, but then inclusion has to be core because if you hire and then you don't include, those people won't stay. And, and that's the key to it, right? Is making your organization more inclusive, having more voices, having more people at the table, making sure that not from a performative perspective, but because you understand that having more diversity of thoughts, more diversity of experience will get you to serve your customers better, will get your business to be more successful. And I always think about and, and say to customers that you need to think about diversity and inclusion the same way as you think about profitability and your books, right? Is an ongoing work that will reflect. And so it's not like you have a, a chief diversity officer and a chief financial officer. It's not that the chief financial officer when you're doing great and you're in the green 
kind of goes off and goes on holiday, right? You keep on looking <laughs> right. at your finances, you keep on working and it has to be the same thing. It's not a side project, it's really a pillar of your organization. Pillar of your organization. You can't be what you can't see. That is, I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that one, but I'll give you credit. I love that. I love it. So I'm a business leader. I have a company. Okay. Let's look, you know, for the next five years, what does this new workplace look like? What do I need to know now in order to build the right workplace so I can attract and retain the highest and the best talent? The first thing is that you're going to face a, a very diverse workforce, right? Is, is we have five different generations right now in the workforce, which means that you cannot think that you cater to all of them in the same way, right? One size fits all is not the approach that you need to take because people are different needs. And, and this we've seen every day now with, with conversation or hybrid work. Some people wants to want to come back. Some people want to stay home. Look at why they want to do certain things, right? One thing that is critical is people are really worried that staying home, which is where they want to stay, right? They want to stay remote, will not give them the same opportunity than going into the office yes. because we've been trained that my manager has to see me seven o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock at night in the office. Even if the manager sleeps at five, right? <laughs> it, there's always that fear that if people don't see you work, you're not working. And we need to change that. We need to change that from a cultural perspective. And so, you know, have your managers work remote, make sure that the way that we start both hiring and then rewarding employees change. Look at, you know, what jobs really require a college education and which don't. Look at how many years experience. I always laugh and it's like, I could never go back into a job now because they ask you to be you know, a graduate and have five years of experience. Like, when am I going to do that? (laughs) You know, it's just so, so be sure that, you know, when you're looking to fill your roles and, and, and write your, your job specification, you're inclusive. You look at really the needs from education perspective. I think more and more the skill sets that people have rather than the knowledge are going to be important. You know, a lot of the things that we've been doing now are going to be fulfilled by technologies like AI. And so the skill set that you're looking for changes constantly. Have, give the opportunity to your talent that you have as, as part of your inclusion strategy, the opportunity to upskill or reskill. You know, look at their their strength as an individual and see if there's actually maybe a role that suits them better and will get them more engaged. Don't have somebody come in and for you know five years, six years that they're there doing the same thing when you can see that the passion is it's not quite what it used to be at the beginning. So really be in tune with reskilling, upskilling, inclusion from a really from a from a culture perspective understand more what drives people and i know it sounds old touchy feely but it's not and one thing that i truly honestly think is key and the a kind of a superpower that managers and leaders will have to earn learn 
get adjusted to, I don't know if there is a course, is empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, that is yeah. the superpower yeah. that leaders will have from now on. That is something that we didn't used to value, I think. You were taught that as a leader, you weren't supposed to listen, right? You, you talk, you, you're the one who's supposed to tell people what to do. But that's no longer the case. Empathy would be a critical skill from a leadership perspective. Yes, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. So in your work with companies, what are some of the common mistakes that you see? And you know, maybe you can throw in a couple of solutions there as well. One I alluded to earlier, which is that there are companies that think that they can hire their way out of lack of diversity. And that's not how you're going to do it. You know, if you just hire and you don't then create a culture of inclusion, you're not going to keep those people. So that's one thing. The other one is the performative part of of the role that they have. So they might have uh, very good benefits or they do things that are for the moment you know, like big events or they have people coming and talking about sustainability or inclusion or whatever the the hot topic of the moment is, but they don't follow up with really the structure of the company and, uh, and, and, and what really is needed to make it clear different to people. The last one that I think is absolutely critical is middle management. Um, middle management is often forgotten. And we've seen in surveys that we've done, but there was a survey that a study that Microsoft just published a couple of weeks ago that also talked about how, how middle management right now, especially is in so much pressure because they hear more clearly what the talent want, but they don't then are empowered by the leaders to deliver on that. So never forget the power of that middle management because that's where inclusion and retention really starts. And, you know, we've, we've empowered employees during the pandemic to be way more independent than we've ever let them be before, right? Because they weren't in the office. They had to make decisions about their setup, their technology and everything else. Continue to trust that they can do that, that they can be empowered to make decisions that benefit their team. And I think that will really help drive uh, a better culture. I, I think that companies really need to focus, and this again, I'm very passionate about this topic too, focus I on know. middle management, right? Because those are the people with you know boots on, the, the ears are to the ground. Absolutely. They, going on, they hear it and they make the most difference and have the most impact because they're working closely with these people every yep. day. People don't leave jobs. They leave managers. And so I think when companies are, are looking at, okay, what kind of leadership development, training, coaching do I need? They should really focus on that middle layer of management and also most importantly, new managers and new leaders and anybody placed in that position, they've got to have training and development because that's who's working closely with the people who are either going to stay or leave. Uh, uh, 100%. Absolutely. Right. Right. Let's look future. Let's, let's get our crystal balls out and let's talk about the future. So what trends are you seeing in your world and, you know, maybe some challenges or roadblocks that you see ahead 
you know, I want to kind of look, get your, you know, access your inner futurist right now. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, um, there's so much going on, to be honest with you right now in technology. One is the fact that our workflows are going to be more and more and more digital, right? So we, as again, in linking to hybrid work, as we figure out this world where, you know, it doesn't matter where we work is how we work. And that's how I talk about hybrid work. It's not where, but how you need to realize that everything that we do is now linked to digital world. And we haven't quite figured out all the etiquettes around that, right? The, the, how we actually do the pre and post meeting, how do we share the information? But I think that the more we think about digital workflows, the more we realize how much we are dependent on technology and that there are technologies that are now, you know, as much as I hate this term, infused with AI, (laughs) that do things for us, right? That I don't have to worry about, right? My email that surfaced something's like, well, you you said you were going to reply to Carrie two two days ago, but you haven't, you know, (laughs) a little nudge. You know, things like that, that, that take away from, uh, you know, before it was like a PA that would tell me that right now is, is, is the machine. So the balance between, or the relationship, if you like, between technology and human, I know that there's a lot of anxiety around AI and automation as well from people, depending on which line of business you are. Obviously, the more you're a knowledge worker, the least where you are about where AI and, and automation in particular is going to come in. But if you work on a factory floor, obviously there's, there's big concern there. And, and I think for me is really understanding and from a leadership perspective, explaining, uh, what the opportunities are, what is automation going to do for the uh, company and making sure then that the people that used to do a task that now is performed by a a computer or a robot will have the opportunity to get reskilled, retrained and repurposed within the organization. And I think that that's so, that's why I was talking about reskilling and upskilling as a way to retain talent and also discover, you know, new abilities that that the talent that you have um, is already has and not thinking that people are disposable. You know, I think right now, many people think that just because of how hard it is to get talent, but don't say, well, you know, I'm going to just cycle people through because as much as the, key, the skills of the knowledge are important, the knowledge of your business is important. And so that's one of the things that I always talk about for the, the older generation, which I'm part of within, a, 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 okay. <laughs> within <laughs> a company, right? That, yeah, I might not know all the digital stuff that you guys do, uh, young Gen Zers and millennials, but I know the company. And so, you know, make sure that you enable those connections where the people that know the business and the company work hand in hand and, and, and side by side, the people that have more of the, you know, they're more digital native and understand technology. And then I would say lastly is, you know, with this, with everything that we have learned during the pandemic, my, my big desire, I guess, is not to waste it. You know, we've had so much innovation 
over the past two years from a technology perspective, you know, stay on that path to make your business better, to make your employees more engaged and happier. And if you do that, productivity will come. Success will come. You know, is don't focus just on, oh, let's make them more productive. Focus on let's make them happier and more engaged because if they are happier and more engaged, they will be more productive and your company will be more successful. Carolina, you are just full of, of knowledge and, and information. And I mean, I feel like that I would just love to be one of your clients, right? Oh, bless you. <laughs> We're not big enough just yet, but, but no, but, but it's, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, you know, for sharing just everything uh, that, that's going to help the audience and leaders and companies right now. I think it's just, this is such just such needed information. So thank you so much for coming on. Tell me, please, how can people reach you? I'm sure there's a lot of people in the audience now that's saying, I want to get a hold of her. I want to connect with her. <laughs> so how do we do that? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I know how passionate you are about talent and the future of talent. So it was a delight when you asked me to come on. Uh, as far as where people can find me, um, mostly they can find, well, more, more consistently, they can find me on Twitter. I am getting better at LinkedIn on Twitter. I am Caro, C-A-R-O underscore Milanese, M-I-L-A-N-E-S-I. I am on Instagram under the same name. And then on LinkedIn, I'm Carolina Milanese. And I have a weekly almost column on Forbes. And my uh, website is creativestrategies.com and theheartoftech.com. Very good. Well, thank you, Carolina. I hope that we can follow up with another episode a little bit in the future. I just truly have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.